The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been years. God, it's almost been decades since I first met Carson. And Carson Kressley is such a character, such an interesting guy, so creative, so out there and I first met him when I was hired to be a guest on uh, Queer Eye for the straight guy and I met him and he was so sweet and funny and so popular but I haven't really you know been in touch with him recently and I'd love to know what he's been up to so I'm looking forward to my conversation and uh, here is my conversation with Carson Kressley. So Carson where are you now? I'm at my farm in Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Are you in Montclair, New Jersey? I know. I know you're a Montclairian. I love Montclair. It's so pretty. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it was the perfect amount of being close to New York City, but getting out of New York City so I could, you know. Yeah. 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 Oh, so cool. Well, I mean, I haven't seen you in so many years. I don't know if you remember the first time I met you. Um, I don't know. What was the first time? I don't remember. 
was hired when you were on Queer Eye as a makeup artist to get a bunch of firemen ready for a calendar that you guys were shooting. Oh, yeah. Lucky you. Yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago. And I also met the photographer and his wife at the time. And I ended up hiring her as my creative director. And, you know, and he shot a lot of my campaign. So it was one wow. of those days. Yeah. Wonderful. How, how great that worked out. Yeah, no, it was, you know, you know what, it just, you never know who you're going to meet when. Have you had those exactly. moments in your life where you're like, I don't know, like random meetings with people? Oh yeah. There's, there's just people that you um, gel with who are like your people and just even doing like home collection projects and going to like the trade shows and like high point, I'll be like, oh my gosh, how does this person not work with us? Like that, like they're amazing. Oh. And there's like, you know, five or 10 people I've met like during my career where I'm just like, okay, I literally like write them down in my book. I'm like, we need to hire them for something at some point. So oh. um, they're, you know, they're rare, but you know, kind of instantly when um, you found someone that's simpatico. Yeah. So, you know, the truth is, I don't know that much about you. So I have a million questions, you know. Yeah, for, shoot. Where are you from? I am from Allentown, Pennsylvania, but not really like Allentown, like 20 minutes outside of Allentown, which is actually when people think about Allentown, Pennsylvania, they think about like the Billy Joel video um, mm -hmm. for his song Allentown and steel mills and, uh, I, you know, steel towns. Uh, but I'm from the countryside outside of Allentown and where I'm from it, you know, it looks like the Shenandoah Valley. We've got blue mountains and rolling hills and there's lots of Pennsylvania Dutch people. And my family was like practically Amish. And wow. uh, yeah, you could hear butter churning in the distance. What is that? I mean, I know Amish, but what is practically Amish? Well, in Pennsylvania, there um, there's a huge group of people that came in the, you know, from the late 1700s through like the mid 1800s that are dubbed wow. Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay. And they're really Pennsylvania German, but the word for German was Deutsch. Ah. So they said we're Deutsch people were like oh you're Dutch welcome um but it's been a misnomer so wow. all Amish people are Pennsylvania Dutch all like but not all Pennsylvania Dutch people like me are Amish I was Lutheran which is just a different religion and um but very mid midwestern even though we're from the eastern seaboard and grew up around horses and um you know that was that's that's where I come from Bobby Brown yeah. Well, no, I come from the suburbs of Chicago, Midwest. So I, you know, it, it, it all, you know, putting the pieces together makes sense. Did right. you have a big family, a lot of brothers and sisters or? Um, no, I have one brother and one sister and I'm the youngest, big shocker. I'm like, hello, over here. Look at me. Don't forget. Yeah. And um, yeah, I grew up a very suburban, you know, uh, life in the seventies and, you know, it was people always say like, where did you get your like sense of style? And I was like, I grew up in the seventies. I grew up watching like, you know, Three's Company and the Carol Burnett show and seeing Cher wearing Bob Mackie. And Aww. it was a very rich um, era for, for fashion and, and flair in general. Did you, have you ever met Cher? I have, yeah, I did. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the first time. I guess the first time I met her was um, she did a movie premiere in New York. She did a film with the Farrelly brothers called Stuck on You. And it was not 
one of her like greatest cinematic uh, uh, accomplishments, but it's a, it's a good movie. And they had a big party for it back when they would have big parties, like in the early 2000s. And it was at, I think it was at the SVA theater um, on 23rd street. And then they had a party after, and I walked in and I got you babe was playing and Cher was sitting in a booth in the distance. And like, I made eye contact with Cher and she made eye contact with me. And then I started going like this and I was like, what well, is Cher telling me to come over? But it was during like the frenzy of queer eye. And I guess uh -huh. she had watched the show and she was a fan. So she invited me to sit with her and she was very, very like warm and wonderful. And then I was doing a column for Us Weekly and I was gonna go interview her the next day at her suite at the Lowe's Regency. It sounds like it's the 1940s. <laughs> I went to do the interview and I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna wear? What would, she, what would Cher wear? Um, so I wore black Roberto Cavalli leather pants with purple Python insets and like <sighs> a tuxedo shirt that was open and I had like, some Brazilian scapulare like medallions on because everyone was doing that. And we did the interview and she was like, I really love your necklace. And I was like, oh, you can have it, Cher. And I'm like, off my body. And then she had like a do-rag on because uh, allegedly she has volumes of like hair up in braids and always wears like, and she had like a bandana on and her assistant was in the other hotel room that I connected. And so the interview was over and I was standing above Cher and I was trying to put this necklace on her, which is very fine. And I couldn't get it over her head. And I was like struggling and she was like making a funny noise. And I was standing over top of her and then the assistant came in. They're like, are you attacking Cher? Um, and I was like, no, no, I'm just trying to put this necklace on. And so I did that. And then I didn't see her for like a while. And then one day I was sitting at my kitchen table in Chelsea paying bills and my phone rang and I was like, oh no, what, it's a mystery number. I hate answering those, but I hate getting voicemails even more. So it's just like, hello. And <laughs> on the other, I was like, Carson. And I was like, yeah, it's Cher. And I was like, oh my God. And Cher called me. I don't know how she got my, my cell number, but she did. And she wanted to thank me for like the um, necklaces. And um, so, yeah, I have a, I think I'm kind of friends with Cher. Oh, that's such a great story. Did you get a picture of you and her? I did. I do have, it's a Polaroid um, and I've scanned it and I have it, you know, yeah. I have the real one in a safe somewhere. Oh, that's so cool. I, I, I actually once got a call from Allie McGraw, who is my, my, my share. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I know the amazing feeling. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always gonna have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous <laughs> of your generation yeah. that didn't have to deal yeah. with Instagram and that. Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose, 
I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you were on Queer Eye, because Queer Eye blew you up, who were you before? So um, I... uh, Growing up in Allentown, I knew I always wanted to live in New York City. So literally, like, I went to college, and the day after, I moved to New York City. I went to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, and I think I graduated, like, on May 6th, 1991. And on May 7th, 1991, I was like, I'm moving to New York. Hmm. So I took took the bus and um, moved in with two other friends from college, two girls. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment on 96th and 3rd. And I slept in the dining alcove and they took the bedroom and I started working for the U.S. Equestrian Federation. And uh, I had that job lined up before college ended and I was making $30,000 a year. And I I didn't know about New York City, like how expensive it was. So I was just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to spend all this money? Um, $30,000 a year. I was like, I'll get great suits. And it was like the Armani era. And I was like, oh, I'll be fabulous. And then I found out that the rent of the apartment was like seventeen hundred dollars wow. in nineteen ninety one. I was like, wow. "Wait a minute!" <sighs> like everything I make for the year. Um, so the three of us split that, and we managed. But um, eventually, um, I decided I wanted to work for Ralph Lauren because I loved the brand and I loved the vibe. And uh, I was at my gym one day wearing like black watch track pants and a sweatshirt with a teddy bear holding a black watch basketball and mm. I had a black watch basketball that I got from buying $75 worth of fragrance at Bloomingdale's mm-hmm. and um someone at the gym was a headhunter and she's like I I don't know who you are but you need to work at Ralph Lauren I was like I do Aww. and it was one of those moments where like you dress for the job that you want Aww. and I somehow conjured it up and uh I started working for Jerry Lauren who's Ralph's brother so corporate, you got a job inside, not the store. Yeah, yeah no, I got a job inside um, being being Jerry's assistant. And I would, you know, get sardine sandwiches and I would drop off shampoo and I would go to the apartment. And I was I was basically Anne Hathaway in The Devil Wears Prada, except everyone was really nice and preppy and um, had a fantastic time there. I loved Jerry and Ralph and Bobby Ranalis and everybody who I worked with. They were just... It was such a fantastic education. And it's one of those companies um, where so many people have come through, whether it's Vera Wang or uh, a million people have come from Ralph Lauren. It's just a great place to learn. And um, you're able to climb through the ranks there so beautifully. Like if you're a hard worker and you get it, 
um, you just like, before I knew it, I was like, after two years of working with Jerry, he's like, you can do whatever you want. Like, where do you want to work? And I was like, I'd really like to work in design. So I worked in men's design and I did that for a bunch of years. And then I had thought I had the greatest job in the world. Um, I would style all the looks for all the ad campaigns. Wow. Go on location, you know, to all that with Bruce Weber and the whole gang and Patrick and Marshallier and uh, Mark Seliger and just all the you know not every day I, I also you know did a lot of Macy's.com shoots too yeah. like you know in Chelsea so when you would get to go like someplace you know go to like the Warhol estate in Montauk for a week with Bruce right. Weber and like people are getting their nails done I'm just like oh my god this is great I love it so I did that for a number of years and then one day one of my producers who booked the photographers and the makeup artists and all of the talent um said i heard about this show like in a cab on the radio it's called queer eye and it's going to be on bravo and i was like what's bravo a non-stick cooking spray like i didn't know bravo i was you know young and lived in new york city i didn't even have cable you know you just don't you're out you're out being fun yeah so they said i i I asked Jeeves, we didn't even have Google back then. Oh um, I asked Jeeves like, where's Bravo? And it gave me like a number in Jericho, Long Island. I called them, they were like, oh no, a production company makes the show, we just air it. And I was like, oh, okay. Knew nothing about TV. Called the production company, they're from Boston, got an intern. She was like, no, they're all in New York casting this show. I'm like, I know that's what I'm calling about. She said, send a headshot and like a letter via messenger or something to this casting agency in Chelsea, which I had no headshot. I had a picture of me like that Arnaldo and Ayaluca had taken like, you know, on set or something, holding some sweaters. And I was like, I'll send that. And then I went down and I was my sassy self. And they're like, we really like you. And um, we made a pilot in 2002. And I remember telling my boss at Ralph Lauren, like, I'm just going to take a couple of days off on vacation. I'm going to make this thing, but I just want to let you know. We made it in 2002 and nothing did happen. And uh, we didn't hear anything for like a year. And then like in the beginning of 2003, the production company called and said, yeah, Bravo was purchased by NBC. They're revamping the network. It's going to be very splashy. They want your show to be like the lead, you know, for their rebrand. You need to quit your job. And I was like, do you even have dental insurance? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know. Like, I was like, wait, I'm supposed to quit my amazing job to do eight episodes of a TV show for like $3,000 an episode and then maybe never work again. But I had the most amazing boss at Ralph Lauren. She's like, you should try it. It sounds amazing. And if it doesn't work out, we'll figure out a way to like get you back. And I was, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Uh, her name's Liz Paley. And I owe, um, oh. I owe my life to her because she gave me that um, flexibility to take a risk. Yeah, but you also, I love the fact, and whoever's listening, like what you did, like when I moved to New York, I opened up the yellow pages because I didn't know anything. You right. were so resourceful and not afraid. Like you have a, like you seem naive, like, all right, I'm just going to do this. And I, I yeah. think it's great quality. Yeah, I, I have the um, ignorance is bliss um, syndrome. Yeah. And I've heard that some people have the opposite where they're like, they always feel like an imposter. Yeah. I just always felt like, I could maybe do it. Like, I didn't know that like, I wasn't this enough or that enough to like do what I was trying to do. I just said, oh, 
I'm going to go to an interview at Ralph Lauren. I'm going to wear a cute Ralph Lauren outfit and I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to be very enthusiastic. And it continued to work. Yeah, I think it's being naive and I kind of am the same way. So I get it. Mm -hmm. So you did. So you quit your job. Did you ever go back to Ralph Lauren or no? No, no, I never. Um, we started making the show in March of 2003. It aired in July of 2003. And like a week or two later, we were on The Tonight Show and doing Ellen. And um, I have fortunately um, been working in showbiz for 20 years now. Oh. And, and there are moments like showbiz or like fashion or the beauty business. Um, you know, there are, there are highs and lows where you're just like, oh my God, I'm gonna pack it in. Like, this is not working. Um, but you, if you're persistent and you keep um, the right attitude and always looking for opportunities, you can, you know, make it through those slow periods and then you, you know, start to ride the wave again. So I've been doing that for a long time. Okay. So, so how many years were you on Queer Eye? And I'm sorry, that's my dog scratching in the background. No worries. Um, um, I, we did, um, I think it was about five years. We did five seasons and a hundred episodes. So that was also like a great, you know, who gets that as their first television show? Like, I was yeah. like, oh, I guess, you know, you do a TV show and then you just event, you get an Emmy the next year. Like, I didn't know how, um, how rare it was and how lucky we were. Yeah. And we were just so caught up in the whirlwind. And I wish we had Instagram back then because people were literally say to me, remember that time we all went to the White House and we met, and I was like, no. I don't, I vaguely remember, um, but there were so many fun things and it was such a whirlwind for those first two or three years um, that uh, I wish I had a better record of it. But you also, you must've gotten an agent, right? To negotiate your deal yeah. or did, yeah. I mean, and then, then things just kind of took off, right? I mean, besides queer, I didn't, I mean, you did a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, once the show was successful, um, then you can get an agent, which is, you know, kind of backwards, but that's how it works. And then you're able to, uh, people know you and it becomes easier and they say, oh, we, we're doing this show about uh, beauty queen contestants and there's a big makeover element, we should get Carson, so. What are some of your highlights? Like what are like? Um, well, Queer Eye obviously, and then um, this one was Dancing with the Stars. So you were on Dancing with the Stars? I was, yes. And how'd you do? I I think I was like, I lasted for like five or six weeks wow. and I was a terrible dancer, but I had really great costumes and I did full on productions with like smoke effects and like, I was really into it. Aww. So Aww. Was really were you nervous? Like, like, does it, what, does anything make you nervous? You know, that should have made me very nervous. And, um, my philosophy in life and with showbiz is that I usually say yes and then I figure it out later. Um, and this is like a theme throughout my life. Like, oh, I wanna buy this farm in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm just gonna do it. I'll, you know, fast forward to me like in February with like frozen pipes, like, um, who do I call about this? I don't have a super anymore. Um, so I, you know, I just kind of hmm. say yes and then I figure it out later. So I should have been nervous about Dancing with the Stars. I didn't realize how hard it was and um, here's some backstory that nobody knows, but um, they had wanted me to do the show a couple of times and I was like, uh, I'm gonna wait, like 
so I have like more of a lull or something or have more time or just doesn't seem like I need to do it now. And then the year that I did it, which was like 10 years ago, they had called just before Labor Day because the show always starts like in the first week in September. And they said, oh, we had a last minute cancellation. Somebody had backed out. Um, we really need you to do the show. And I was like, okay. So they called and said, okay, we're gonna you know, pair you up with your partner. And I said, oh yeah, I just wanna go to Fire Island for the weekend, it's Labor Day. And then I'll start on Tuesday. And they're like, no, 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 you're like a week behind already. You need to start now. And I went for like that first rehearsal. And I was like, oh my God, this is no joke. And I am very bad with numbers in general. So like choreography doesn't yeah. make sense to me. They're like, and on the three count, and I'm like, it's music. Why are we counting? Like we're supposed to just be feeling. Um, so I was terrible, but I had a great time and I embraced it. Who's your partner? I had this amazing uh, Russian um, professional dancer named Anna Treblinskaya. Okay. And she was really, really fantastic and very like stern and a good yin to my yang. And yeah. we had a deal that I would buy her like Louboutins every week that we made it through. <laughs> we did five weeks and we actually, we had, I, I think the very first dance I did was the encore dance that they want. They wanted to see again the next night because wow. they enjoyed it. So mm. it was a great experience. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. 
drugs and the officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host. Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose, I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what are you working on now? Right now, I'm, I've been very lucky. Um, Queer Eye was a groundbreaking show for several reasons um, 20 years ago. And I'm lucky I've been working for the last 10 years, 10 seasons on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, We won four Emmys for, you know, best reality competition series the last four years. Um, And um, it's just, it's super fun. First of all, RuPaul is amazing. Tell him, because he seems like he'd be a really nice guy. Um, He is, there's a few people I've worked with in my, you know, lifetime, whether it's like a share or Dolly or Oprah. Um, and they're people that are just so wise and they just 
They understand people, they understand life, they understand showbiz, and like it's not that deep. Um, and he has that very um, grounded, wise um, um, vibe. And um, he is the reason why that show is such a big hit. And we have amazing producers and amazing contestants and but it you know it's it's from the top down and that um the aesthetic the sensibility the heart um that's all kind of um comes from rue so i'm very happy that i get to work on that and i worked on queer eye two shows that have really helped a lot of um young people i think you know can see these shows all over the world and see marginalized people or people who maybe used to be marginalized be celebrated. And I think that's really powerful because you can be like, oh, I can I can use um, every crayon in the box, as Rue says, and I can express myself and I don't have to be different. I can just be who I'm supposed to be. Um, so I'm very lucky to work in these spaces. Yeah, and how old were you when you, you know, came out of the closet? Like, how, like how old were you and how did your parents take it? Oh, um, well, um, I, you know, I think I'm one of those gay kids that, you know, when you're like my kindergarten picture, I have it right here. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Getting some real scoop here, Bobby Brown. Aww. That's, that's me, like Aww. kindergarten wearing <laughs> nail polish. Your mother let you wear nail polish to school? I don't think she really knew. And wow. like my cousins and my older sister were always like putting makeup on me and painting my nails. So I just thought that was normal. So I went to, you know, picture day with my painted nails. And I was always one of those little boys too, where like you'd be in the grocery store and they'd be like, oh my gosh, what is her name? She is so cute, Aww. like pretty effeminate. And I don't think my parents were ever really like surprised uh -huh. um, and were always amazing about it. Cool. You know, I think that, um, you know, I had a grandma who would like buy me tea sets and doll houses for Christmas because that's what I wanted. And right. she's like, well, then that's what he gets. So I was very fortunate and luckier than I realized. Yeah. And I, I and it is amazing that you've been such a role model to so many, you know, kids that don't have the support of families. And right. It is because haven't you been an advocate for that for a long time? Yeah, I worked for a long time with Cindy Lauper on her foundation called True Colors United. Uh, and we worked specifically um, to help end youth homelessness, especially within the LGBT community, because gay kids are still much more likely to become homeless because sometimes they're turned away by their families or sometimes they're turned away by shelters that are maybe run by religious organizations that don't um, uh, accept that. Um, their orientation. So um, I know how lucky I've been. So I just think uh, I've got to help other people who aren't as lucky and helping kids is the, I think the most important thing because they're the most vulnerable. No, that's so, so nice and so wonderful. And, you know, you don't hear a lot about your personal life. Are you with someone? Mm -hmm. Have you been? Are you... No, I am single. If you know anybody, um, I was um, I, I wasn't married, but I was practically married for a long time. Um, and that was over about three years ago. And then you go through that, you know, like, who am I? What am I like in the ether for a while? So now I'm ready to mingle. Right. Well, now now that we're kind of out of our houses and our base. I know. Yeah, that must have been a tough time, though. 
Yeah, no, it was, but it was also, I think like the pandemic for me, and I think a lot of people, it was a very reflective time too. And it allowed us to like take a breather from all of the white noise of work and family and travel and um, start to figure out what's really important. Mm -hmm. So now I know what I want. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. You got to, you got to, and like, you got to start somewhere and you visualize exactly. it. So what about your health and wellness? How do you take care of yourself? Oh, I should be better about that. Um, yeah, I hate going to the doctor and I'm, I'm like one of those people that goes like twice, once every two years, you know, I'm just, it's bad. Um, but I do try to just do like the, the common sense stuff. Like I, you know, I park far away at the grocery store. I take the stairs when I go to a hotel. I watch what I eat. Um, I exercise more than I realize because most of the time I'm in New York, I'm walking everywhere. If I'm here in the country, I'm like, I cannot sit still. I'm one of those people. So like, I'll have people over and they're like laying by the pool having drinks. And I'm the person like pulling weeds because there's a weed over there and I have to be busy. And they're like, would you calm down? I'm just like, no, 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 I like it. It's relaxing for me. Like I like to do stuff. So I stay active and um, yeah, and I stay aware and I, you know, I try to be good about it. And also lots of water, good sleep. And um, my secret weapon are those little vitamin C packets. I think they're great for the skin, but they're also good to keep your immune system up because when you're always on airplanes and you're always going from job to job, you really need to, um, keep an eye on that because you can get run down do you need to recharge are you someone that needs to like take time yeah. yeah i'm really really good um i love to entertain the troops and razzle dazzle like six days out of the week but then like on the seventh day i need to not see anybody and like literally like either just be with my horses or like floating around in my pool or like pulling weeds or doing or just vacuuming my house like I just need a day of like no talking to anybody. What are you wearing when you're home doing those things? Are you in sweats? Oh, no, I'm like wearing this, like, you know, like a Ralph Lauren, like cotton cable knit sweater and some, you know, uh, uh, some jeans from Scotch and Soda um, or like, you know, Vineyard Vines. Um, people are like, you wear Vineyard? I was like, yeah, I'm just like bouncing around at home, like. Um, or if I go to the barn, you know, I usually wear just like a pair of britches and like a white polo shirt. Um, but I don't, I mean, you're very preppy. I am very preppy in general. And I think it was my long history with Ralph Lauren, but it's also just my, my natural like comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So like, I do like, you know, going to the Emmys and wearing like Givenchy and being all sparkly. Um, but one thing I learned from my mom, and I think it's a really most important fashion lesson anyone can learn is that um, it's not about like the most sparkliest and the most expensive and the most high-end label. It's about what's appropriate for what you're doing. So if, if I'm at the farm, I'm going to wear like, you know, Ralph Lauren and I'm going to wear like Oxford and it's more rugged and it can, you know, hold up to like, you know, wear and tear. And if I'm going to the Emmys, I'm going to wear, you know, Givenchy or Gucci. Um, so it's, it's all about wearing the right thing at the right venue. Um, that's like the key to always looking good. And what do you think about fashion trends? Are you like, you know, I'm, I'm not a big beauty trend person. Like I just no. don't. 
I'm not a big trend person either, um, especially for me personally, because I think men's trends too, like that ship has sailed for me. Like now it's all about being classic. Mm -hmm. And I look to people like Tom Ford who are like, listen, you need a black suit, a bunch of white shirts, a great pair of dark wash jeans, uh, a loafer, a good watch. And like, if you're like a 50 year old man, that's what you need and you're done. Right. Um, so I'm trying to embrace that. I love clothes so much though. That like, you know, every time there's like a new Ralph Lauren, like Santa Fe inspired thing, I'm like buying all the Navajo sweaters. And um, if there's D squared, like sparkly encrusted chambray shirts, I have to buy those. So I still have fun with it. So do you get a Ralph Lauren discount still? I actually do. Okay, you better. I mean, come on. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. you're doing such good, you know, spreading of the Ralph Lauren brand. Are you a guy on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. I mean, I have a TikTok, you know, just because I needed to get one, but I have never used it. And um, I love like doing Martha Stewarty kind of things like around the farm, like landscaping and uh, potting, you know, beautiful pots with flowers. Like I love all those domestic arts. So I yeah. should start doing TikToks about that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm kind of sensing that you're coming into another phase in your life. Absolutely. No, I totally am. Um, I think it's like being in my fifties and uh, emerging on the other side of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I really kind of, you know, know what I want to do and I know what's important and um, your priorities change. Yeah. What, what haven't you done that you wish, you know, that you want to still do? Oh, um, hmm. I would, I would love to, you know, do something maybe in like the daytime TV space about like lifestyle. Um, I do love all things like cooking, entertaining, decorating, fashion. Um, and they're all kind of like, you know, textile driven. Um, and then personally, um, I do have a, a, a farm now, but there's another one that it's ridiculous. Like I have this real estate like obsession. Um, there's another one that was my grandparents where I learned to ride and it's very sentimental and it's beautiful. And it was, you know, sold when I was a kid and now it's maybe potentially available again. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, if I can be like the real estate guru and like have an Airbnb and maybe have like a farm to table something. So I'm just yeah. feeling very entrepreneurial. And you know what? Yes. The answer is yes. You could do all of those things. And we will be either coming to visit to, to have dinner there, or we'll be buying the things you're making to get right. the Carson feel. So I'm excited to hear it all. So I always ask this question. It's the last question I ask everyone and mm -hmm. whatever pops out of your head. But if you could tell everyone listening to this podcast, What's the one thing that they could do that could change the course of their life just by listening to us talk today? What could it be? Oh, I'm going to go back to my, like my philosophy of life, which is just, you know, the say yes and figure it out later. And I, I, it's good to be cautious and prudent and all of that. But sometimes I think we're a little bit too hamstringed by fear. And sometimes you just need to say, yeah, I'm going to do that and then figure it out later. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. And honestly, I, I expected different from you today. And I'm so happy, like what, what I experienced talking to you. I just thought you were going to be much more something oh, from big and loud. 
I can do that too. But you know, this is so intimate. It's just like a one-on-one um, yeah. powwow amongst friends. So, but this is the real you. I mean, the other is your. Absolutely. I like this, Carson. So, thank you. Um, I like both of them. I like the other one too. But it's uh, been really fun talking to you, and I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I loved every second, and I would come back anytime. Just let me know. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social at the Important Things Podcast on Instagram and just Bobby Brown on TikTok. See you guys next time. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.